Uh, Romans chapter 2, starting the second half of uh, verse 1. Uh, hear the word of God. For in passing judgment on one another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. While their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God, know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you not rob temples? Do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God. By breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law uh, will condemn you who have written, who, who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. 
A lot of people have uh, bad connotations uh, to Christianity, uh, whether from just experiences they've had with maybe Christians that they were around and how they were treated or churches that they were in, uh, maybe just bad connotations to what they uh, understand Christianity itself even to teach. Uh, And one of the objections, not necessarily uh, the only objection or even the main objection, but I think probably one of the most common objections to Christianity uh, is, is hypocrisy. Like the double standards uh, that you see within, <clears throat> within Christian communities uh, sometimes. The hypocrisy of it, of having uh, one, one standard uh, for those within the community and a different standard of judgment looking down on those uh, outside of it. All right, this double standard that, uh, uh, that just looks and says, we are those who have it together. We are those who know what's right. and We're better than, than them out there who are the real problem. Uh, it's It's ugly. Um, hopefully you won't find here, but I think we'll, sometimes maybe we have that idea that we're, you know, being in REF Bible studies or, or going to church or being involved in these things or having Christian community, we're, we're better than those just out there on the campus on a Thursday night doing who knows what, uh, planning out the next party. I mean, you really, your, your parties don't stay. Maybe your pre-party, you know, before going out, maybe, maybe start going, uh, going now. But uh, getting wasted or getting high or hooking up, we look out and those people are like, they're the people that are the problem. Uh, but, but maybe we think we're, we're the ones who have it right. Uh, just double, a double standard. Um, and, and hypocrisy is particularly ugly um, when it's a religious hypocrisy, isn't it? Um, when, when someone begins to say, not only do I think that I'm better than you are, we're better than, than they are, but because we're better than you, we have spiritual enlightenment. And we have eternal blessedness promised to us. But you, because you're morally corrupt, those people out there, um, they uh, are destined for destruction and being thrown away or exterminated or however. I hope you see from this passage that God doesn't think that hypocrisy is okay. Uh, That he's very strongly speaking uh, against it and calling calling it out. Uh, the double standard. whole of Romans 2 uh, is doing this. You see in verse 24 especially uh, in this quote uh, from Scripture, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles. Why? Uh, because of how the people who supposedly bore his name were living. And what they knew about God was from the people who said they were God's people. Um, and so they didn't like God. And so Romans is, is calling them out uh, against that. <clears throat> The ugliness of hypocrisy. And just imagine if, imagine if there were no more hypocrisy, right? If there, there was no judgmental uh, double standard, um, elitism, or however, not among Christians uh, or among atheists or among other religions, um, if there wasn't even the double standard in politics or uh, ethnic factions in places around the world, if, if that just wasn't, wasn't the case. Um, there'd still be a lot of problems, a lot of struggle, a lot of pain. Uh, but the, the world would be a lot, a lot better. A lot of things would be going a lot more smoothly if, at least in politics, they had to be honest about where they fell off and where the other people fell off and that it was pretty similar. Um, if, there was, if there was some kind of way to get rid of, of that. Listen, the gospel in, in Romans says that, that part of what God is doing in Christ, that that even is part of what God's doing in Christ, that he's getting rid of the hypocrisy, that he's restoring our righteousness, the right order, the way that things should be. 
Um, and he's, he's taking the, the wrongs and he's saying, this is, this is happening in a new way. It's happening through my son and him coming as the way of righteousness, showing it, but also drawing others uh, into it. Uh, himself as a substitute uh, for those who don't uh, have it right. But, but this passage, I know it talks about uh, you know, some things that are hard to understand. And Romans kind of you know, walks you through those. And this is a passage that talks about judgment. And we go, I don't know that I really want to talk about uh, a judgment. And I hope you, this, this passage is not using it as, uh, as fear tactics and manipulation. I don't intend to uh, use it that way. In fact, I even think as he talks about it, that judgment is actually part of the good news of the gospel. We usually think about it that way. I don't usually think about it that way. Um, but what is it, what is, as he's speaking into this, he's speaking into the understanding that, that judgment is actually part of uh, the gospel because it's, it's getting rid of the bad and the evil and the wrong and the things that cause those problems. That, that, that would be great, right? To stop those things, to, to remove them is, is good. I had, uh, had Wizard of Oz stuck in my head the other day. Um, it's not a particularly uncommon thing for me. Wizard of Oz is just a great movie. Um, uh, but I had Wizard of Oz stuck in my mind. Early on when Dorothy has uh, come to Kansas, everything's color. She's talked to Glinda by now. And there's that like really catchy rhyme scheme thing about the... Uh, um, uh, wasn't a very happy situation for the wicked witch when the, everything started happening. All right, and then the munchkins comes out and everything going, and they're they're singing this celebratory song, uh, "Ding dong, the witch is dead, the the wicked old witch is dead," right? And they're marching around, they're singing it, and it's a jubilation because this evil, this bad thing has been gotten rid of. I know there's still the wicked witch of the west, and so you have a movie, and there's this plot, right? But but they're excited because this wrong thing has actually been judged and gotten rid of by a house falling out of the sky. It's a movie. It's, it's a great story. But right, there's that celebration of it, this good news uh, side of the gospel. And we want that. We want these wrong things to be gone, and we want that celebration of it until we realize that we're part of the mess. Uh, that we're contributing to that evil. Uh, that there's things wrong in us that have to be uh, judged. And then that la 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 stops uh, very suddenly. Uh, listen, God's righteousness in Christ goes way beyond judgment of just getting rid of the wrongs. Right? It, goes, it goes way beyond that. It's, and this is where Paul is leading to talk about the rescue and the deliverance of it. That God has provided for us another way through what he has done for us uh, in his son. Uh, but, but Paul wants us to realize that we need, that we need more than just judgment uh, for things to be made right. We don't just need those other bad things around us to be dealt with if things are going to be made right. So there's things even in us uh, that are deeper than that. And, and so Romans 2, I would describe it as giving a warning to not be delusionally presumptive as if we don't need Jesus. I think Romans 2 is giving a warning, and, and hear me here, I think it's giving a warning particularly to religious people that thought, whatever God says, I'm, I'm down with that. All right, so he's not just talking to the people totally outside of the faith, I think it applies there too. Uh, but so he's, he's saying to, to those who've come uh, within the Jewish community, 
Maybe to us that would apply then, those who've, who come, you know, maybe you've been brought up in the church, maybe you've been raised a Christian, or you've been around uh, Christian things enough, that God is, is speaking <clears throat> into the danger of hypocrisy and the double standard, warning us not to be delusionally presumptive as if we don't need Jesus. And so he's calling us out, maybe in some hard ways, but I want you to see that the reason he's doing it is to show us that he's actually given what we need. Instead of just pretending and ignoring that, he's calling us to look to Jesus and wants us not to be uh, delusionally presumptive. I'm just going around thinking, you know, when I get to heaven, I think I would love to ride a unicorn. Unicorns are fun. Unicorns are beautiful. They would be wonderful to have a unicorn. And so um, Jesus, yeah, I don't really know what Jesus says. Um, Romans 2, I haven't really been paying attention. Uh, But it would be so awesome to ride a unicorn. Um, right, the word delusional. That's my illustration for us being delusional. Maybe you don't like unicorns. You don't think about unicorns all the time? When you're walking between classes, that's not, that's just me? Okay. Um, look, verse, verses 3 and verses 4, I think, is bringing this out for you. Um, do you suppose, whoever you are that judge, uh, who practice the same things and yet judge others that do them, do you suppose that you will escape the judgment of God? He's saying, you, you have this double standard where you think, those people are all bad. You do the same thing, but you're like, it'll go fine for me, unicorns. Um, <clears throat> delusional, that we think we would escape. And if that's what we think, then we're not going to be looking to Jesus. Well, then he says in verse 4, uh, do you presume, being presumptuous, do you presume on the riches of his kindness, uh, his, his patience, uh, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to turn back to him? That, that, that we wouldn't just go... God hasn't punished me yet. I've been, I've been walking with the Lord. For, I've, been, I've been in the church for a long time, and I haven't experienced this punishment, punishment yet, so certainly God doesn't have something against me. He's saying the reason God's been patient is to give you time to turn back to Him, uh, to call on Him, to show your need for Him, and to, uh, to receive His help. So, so I want you to hear, he's speaking particularly to religious people, uh, moral uh, people, those that would consider themselves good, good people, uh, though it still applies to all forms of double standard, which I think are pretty rampant. Um, but I'll ask you as we go through this, just to consider for yourself, if the world was really being put right, this is part of God's claim, what he's doing ultimately in Christ, uh, it's being put right. If the world was being put right, what would need to change about you? What would need to change about you, and how could that change take place? How could it happen? Well, we're given several warnings here. The, the first is this. Uh, maybe we, we might rather think about uh, unicorns. So the Bible tells us uh, maybe some harder things to remind us, call us out of it. Uh, first is this, that God doesn't play favorites. Um, that God doesn't play favorites even if we might really wish that he would. Um, says real clearly, verse 11, if you're looking at it, uh, for God shows no partiality. Uh, he's an impartial judge. He's, he's just. He has a fair and equal standard for all. And what that means is you can't just get on his good side uh, by going to church, by showing up at RUF, by trying to do uh, things right, by offering up the occasional uh, praise to God or just ignoring those like really bad things that you know are talked about. Doesn't get you on his good side. God actually treats, his judgment treats everyone equally, uh, verse 6, according to what they've done. Um, in my family, we like to, uh, at the dinner table, 
got you know, young kids, and sometimes we'll play I Spy. Kind of fun. You just pick, you know, I spy. You pick a color and you say, okay, I spy something. I usually say I spy something white, and I see how many things they guess before it's the, before they realize it's the ceiling. Um, that's my that's my standby. Now I can't play I spy with you. You'll know it. You'll guess it right away. So we played I spy, but then we had to, we had to stop it for a while um, because uh, one of my daughters realized that it would be very fun to play it a little bit differently, and she likes to get under her sister's skin. Um, and so anytime her sister guessed whatever the color was, it was always no. So like, nope, nope, not that, nope. And then as soon as her mother, who she dearly loved, guessed anything, she'd be like, you got it, that's great. Um, and you can imagine the cry from the other one, that's not fair, she's not doing this, right? She's playing favorites, it's a, it's a double standard, it doesn't, it doesn't work out very well in the life of the family. Um, <clears throat> Uh, it's unjust. I think we, we agree it, it's wrong to play favorites. Right? Uh, in our society, judges, uh, if they know someone in, in a case, they recuse themselves from it. If they think they would be able to judge it well, they say, you know what, I know someone in case I would lean into some sort of partiality, I'm, I'm stepping away from it. A uh, moderator in a meeting, if the things relate to him, will tend to step down or have someone else uh, come for a little bit. Or if the, if the boss's nephew uh, gets, the, gets the promotion or gets the job or the raise or the professor's uh, nephew gets the higher grade, uh, right? we're pretty quick to go, nepotism, we've got a word for it. We're like, nepotism, this is horrible, that's not fair. I worked harder than he did. Um, at least as hard. We don't know why it's going on. Or if someone takes money for uh, to be able and you know, gets a favor after having given money for it, we're like, not fair. Double standard. That's bribery. Right? We're not okay with people playing favorites. Um, we all agree that it's wrong, but we still kind of hope that God will treat us that way. We still want some kind of assurance that just, but I've got, I've got, I've got an end, right? Maybe for you, that's, my parents have been bringing me to church since before I was born. Maybe that's since I learned of these things, I've been here. Let's call it. It's college on a Thursday night, and you're at some Christian meeting. That's got to count for something, right? Um, surely, you know, I'm giving a little bit towards God. He's going to give a little bit back towards me and look, look more kindly on me. Um, we hope that God will still treat us that way. And why do, we, why do we hope that if we think that it's wrong? Because we have a double standard. Because um, we're pretty comfortable with double standards when they work out toward our benefit. And Paul, really strongly against the mindset of the Jews at, at this time, is saying that the God of the Bible doesn't slacken his justice for hypocrites. Not one notch. Um, historically, what he's doing, he's dealing with the conflict between uh, Jew and Gentiles. Here, what's usually used is the word Greek instead of Gentile. It's just a word to say those who are, who are Jews or are descended from Abraham or connected to that faith, and then those who are outside of that. Um, pagans, Greeks, uh, includes the Romans, um, uh, Gentiles. Because what the Jews had, had done just, uh, was separate themselves from that pagan society. Um, they thought of themselves as better uh, because they were the ones that belonged to God. They're the ones that are chosen race that God has set apart uh, for himself. And so now in the gospel, as Jews and Gentiles become followers of Christ and become Christians that are in the same community, well, how's that going to go? Uh, and the, the typical mindset of the Jews, or one of the struggles that you see in the early church, was that those who are ethnically Jewish uh, started off still thinking of themselves as, as better. They're the ones who have known these things, who have practiced these things. How we're better than these, <clears throat> these Greeks, these pagans, these, these Gentiles. 
Um, and that mindset, he's saying, is contrary uh, to the gospel of Christ. Because the gospel of Christ is to go out uh, to all peoples. Um, all peoples through, through all times, all nations. Uh, but the point still applies to us. Uh, there's Not only are there not two classes of Christians, uh, there's not two classes of humans in the world. Um, those that do things well the way that we think they should and those other people. Um, those that follow my standard and those that, those that don't. Um, it's just using a double standard. If we uh, judge that by skin color, we call it race. If we judge it by wealth, we call it uh, classism. Um, if, <clears throat> if by whatever thing we judge it, we call that person a hypocritical jerk uh, for looking that way. And yet we do that. Um, and growing up the church doesn't mean that God is on your side. But you can just go, unicorns. Unicorns would be wonderful and beautiful. And I would like, God wants me to ride a unicorn. Um, God's calling away from the delusion of saying, you know what, I think, I think I'm in with God. I don't really need to worry about this. I don't need to hear uh, these things. My need of Jesus, I've got what he's given already. Um, but if God's impartial, what, what standard does, does God use? Uh, verse 6 is real clear about it. Each one is judged according to his works. Um, take this within the, in the framework of the whole of, whole of Scripture. Uh, but he's saying that if, if we're describing God working justly, then then what people do, that's what they that's what they get. What they've earned, that's what they're paid. Um, so you see this in verses seven through ten. And what he does is he states it, uh, states one side of it, states the other side of it, states that other side again, and then states the first side uh, back over. Uh, but all of it's saying is basically this: um, here, here's how God judges. That those who constantly do right and seek only what's good, they find it. They get it. They get eternal life, uh, glory, honor, peace. Uh, But others find hardship, distress, struggle, tribulation, uh, wrath, anger from God. And it's those who are more concerned for themselves looked out for what they wanted to go well for them, who were willing to, uh, when, when some wrong seemed like it would be beneficial to them, they were still interested. And they still pursued that. And they're the ones that get wrath. Uh, it's basic and it's clear. Um, <clears throat> and it's describing what things would be like without Jesus. If we didn't have the gospel, that would be where we would rest. Uh, if, you do, if you've done perfectly in everything, you get it. You get eternal life. And if you haven't, well, it's not going to go so well. He's calling us to say, look to, what, to this other way that God has offered to us uh, in Christ. Uh, that there wouldn't be any hope for us without Jesus intervening in a way, a new way of rescue. Um, and maybe sometimes we feel like, well, we do pretty well. Our actions, maybe they go all right. And maybe, maybe you would do well riding a unicorn, you know. Um, so the second point, looking at it, uh, that God knows, God knows uh, your secrets. Uh, God knows your secrets even when you wish uh, that he didn't. You see that real clear in verse uh, 16. Uh, he says, on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men uh, by Christ Jesus. <clears throat> it's kind of it's disconcerting. Like, it kind of feels like has God been reading in your, in your diary or eavesdropping or prying into it that he knows our secret, right? It's one thing to tell a secret to a trusted friend, uh, but when sudden, someone else suddenly knows about it, 
that's, that's not really okay. That's not supposed to know secrets if we haven't told them. Um, and I, I think the reason for that is that we're used to being able to hide. Used to being able to bury things down, uh, sometimes deep, where we don't even have to think about it very much anymore, as if it's not there. Um, but the Bible talks about God being omniscient or all-knowing. All uh, and if that's the case, then nothing's ever really hidden. Uh, the, things that, the things that I've thought, as well as the things that I've done, uh, the things from 10 years ago, uh, and the things from yesterday morning, um, it's, never, it's never really hidden. Uh, he knows all your secrets. Um, wakes you up a little bit from being delusional and going, ah, oh, unicorn, like, ooh, what? Um, I want to I cover things back again. Uh, in this context, God especially knows our secret for what we have done or what we haven't done in relation to uh, the law, right? You see him going back and forth between um, those who are uh, with the law uh, or, or under the law and those who are uh, without the law. And this is another way here of speaking of, uh, of Jews and Gentiles, it's undercutting that dichotomy to say there are two classes of humans and this is how we deal with them. It's saying, no, both are judged and judged fairly uh, by what God knows they've, uh, how, they've, how they've acted. All right, so someone to say there's two kinds of people. Uh, there's those that, those that know the rules and there's those that don't. You ever find yourself taking that attitude? Uh, when you see someone else like cutting in line and they didn't realize that the line went this way and so they just stepped up and you're like, cut her. You know, I know you're rather like a cutter. They didn't, they didn't know. Now, if you happen to walk up in that same thing and you didn't realize the other line was there and you're just walking up and you have your plate and you're getting some food and then you look back and there's other people in the line, you just be like, oh, my bad, sorry. And you don't, but you're not really worried about it. You're like, that worked out well for me. You don't like stop and like go to the back of the line because um, we have a little bit of a double standard. But we tend to act like there's two kinds of people, those that know the rules and the, those that, that don't. Um, and, and if you're the kind of person that tends to notice those rules and push on them and, and, and see when other people are breaking them, it's, it's often those same people that work the rules uh, who are the ones that know how to get around the rules, uh, to know how to find the place where it doesn't actually say that you can't do this um, or know how to work with the right people so that it doesn't, doesn't apply uh, to them. Uh, yeah, um, right, like, like texting while you're driving, um, horrible, horrible accidents have taken place from that. Really dangerous. Don't do that. It's bad, right? And we would all be like, yes, you shouldn't text when you drive. But I mean, when I do it, I'm, I'm, not, I'm being careful that it's not a dangerous time, right? I mean, I still make sure it's like, well, I was at the stoplight, and then, I mean, no one was coming when I just had to finish the next sentence. And right, we're like, whoa, what's, what's going on here? We've got different standard to it all of a sudden. Um, <clears throat> The Jews wanted to say, hey, we're the ones who know God's rules. Um, clearly, those people out there are the ones that are bad because they don't uh, do them. Uh, religious people today often do the very same things. Uh, instead, uh, God puts it this way, uh, kind of in verses uh, 12 up through 23, 24. Um, there's two kinds of people, those that follow the rules and those that don't. In other words, there's just one type of people. Um, he says in verse 13, right, it's not the hearers of the law, uh, but it's the doers of the law who will be declared right, declared just. Uh, they're, they're the ones who've done everything well, not just because they knew about it, but because they actually did it. 
I think it's really fascinating how he talks about it, that everyone uh, knows God's law to an extent. And when he's talking about law, he's not just saying particular rules, but having some idea of relationship with God. Uh, the Jews saw the law as part of the covenant and their relationship with God and these terms that, that, uh, that sealed that relationship. Um, and so also just by being created by God in his image, there's a, there's a relationship there. And he's saying that we tend to, to violate that. Um, he says that it's uh, written on their hearts. Uh, right, this will be some of the reason maybe why uh, looking through cultures through the ages, there's a lot of similar uh, rules and morality all the way through. How do you explain that? This is one of the ways that scripture explains that. Um, but he's even saying it this way. For someone to do something that's right and to do it as being right, they have to have some conception that, it, that it's right and moral. Um, and, and, and we do. We do things and we say, this is honorable. This is a good thing. It's not just I wanted to do this or it worked well within my society. We think this is an honorable thing. And he's saying if we have that standard, uh, that's, that's proof that we have some sense of law, of, of, of what's right and what's wrong. He's saying that's ultimately coming from, uh, from God, being made in his world and in his image. Um, and along with that, he's saying that humans, he speaks of the conscience, right? Not just as written on their hearts, but the conscience uh, that either uh, accuses or excuses uh, them, right? Humans experience this thing. Sometimes we call guilt uh, or remorse or regret or shame. Or other times we experience on the other side, the excusing side, when it's someone's calling us wrong for something and there's a defense. But we actually see there was real honor uh, in it, <clears throat> Um, our conscience and our head sometimes doesn't want to just let things go because um, we knew that it was wrong and it still eats at us. We knew that it was right and they accuses us, accuse us there. And this passage is saying God knows our secrets for how consistently we lived even according to our own values. Right? Whether for the Jew who had uh, God's law, Ten Commandments, all those things, or for the Gentile just as, as uh, according to but they knew even from what was written on their hearts. Even for just how we've lived according to our own values, we're pretty far off. <clears throat> haven't been consistent with us. And the emphasis there is on the double standard. What we've said, here this is wrong, texting, driving, and then we still uh, do the same thing. Um, so verses 17 23, like call them, call them out with this. Hey, you think that you're really great. You know God. You know his will. You approve of the law. You're like a light to those who are walking in darkness. You're like the mature adults to those who are, who are little children, right? If that's the way you think of yourself, how come you don't ever live according to the, th- the very things that you say matter? I can hear him calling out uh, the double standard of it. Um, can hear how much that's our tendency, uh, human tendency, religious tendency, um, self-righteous uh, tendency that the gospel says is, is inconsistent with everything that uh, Jesus is doing and leads us not to look to him and to think, yeah, we're, we're doing all right. We've, we've, got, it, we've got it decently. Um, to, to begin to think that, that we're the ones who are enlightened and everyone should look up to us, even though we can't really perform. Uh, contradict the very principles that we proclaim. I'll put it, put it this way. Um, it's easier to be a fan than it is to be a player on the field. All right? um, start watching the game, and we can you know, see what's going on, and then at some point you're in the game, you're yelling, catch the ball! Right, just catch the ball. Put both hands on it, squeeze, and so the ball stays in there, and then it counts, right? And get your feet down. It's like, catch the ball! Um, it's great. We're the fan. We're all in there with it. And we're like, see? We say that out loud and we scream it because we know what to do. Those people out there, what are they doing? We know what to do. You've got to catch the ball. Um, but then if we're thrown out on the field, 
Um, yeah, like we didn't even get a chance to catch the ball because the ball was never thrown to us because we were never open. Um, and when it was thrown, it goes right through, whatever, we complain about it. Um, uh, fans are often delusional. Um, uh, we, we think we know what needs to happen, uh, but we can't, we can't do it. And God knows the secret of how we play, how we actually live, what our actions are. Even according to the, the principles that we set for ourselves, this will be me living consistently and honorably according to good values. But then we haven't really followed through on it. And this is your big secret, that you have no hope of actually being good enough uh, unless God himself intervenes for you. This is where God is trying to bring you through this passage. This is what Paul is doing as he's writing these things. It's for you to see that I need some other way. I need it not to be about, uh, about me having done well enough because I don't have any hope in that. And God has brought this other way uh, in Jesus. I think it's fascinating that it's from about, uh, I forget this verse, uh, 13 or 14. At least it's verse uh, 16 and 17 of chapter 1 is the last time Paul mentions the gospel until he comes back around all the way in the middle of chapter 3, verse 22, except for verse 16 here where he only mentions it in a veiled way and mentions Jesus' name talking about judgment. This whole, like, you know, couple chapter segment is not telling us about the good news because what he's doing is drawing us out for why we need of it, that our tendency is to be delusional, to be obstinate, to be resumptuous, to hold ourselves back from it and think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why does this guy keep going on about this? I've been. At, I, I understand these things. I'm good already. He calls us out for us. That this is what Jesus has done for us in the gospel. That His obedience in the place of our disobedience. All right, God doesn't play favorites. He knows your secrets, and God sees beyond uh, the external. He sees, uh, particularly in verse 29, uh, he says it's a, it's a, uh, a Jew is one inwardly, not just outwardly. Circumcision is a matter of the heart, right? Inwardly and a matter of the heart. Um, I don't know that I can get across just how strong these words would have felt to an ancient uh, Jewish uh, readers. It would have felt like everything was being turned on its head, mixed up, thrown out, uh, upside down, contradicted, and, and, and messed up. To say circumcision was of no value, because this is how they understood that, is to say, this is a marker that says, I belong to God. It means I'm one of his favorites. It means things are going to go okay for me. Uh, God has told us to do this so that we, to show that we belong to him. And then to be told in these verses, uh, circumcision, if you're not following, keeping everything, circumcision counts for nothing. It's of no value. Hey, and if someone actually did everything well and they didn't have circumcision, it, it'd just be just as much like they belong to God. Um, uh, and the response would have been, I've got marks in my body that prove that God loves me, that prove that I belong to God. And you're saying it's, it's meaningless? Best I could get as like a maybe way to you know, see how hard that would have been. Uh, the, the, the tramp stamp with the name of the person that you had been dating and then they broke up with you. That's still there. And you're like, what? This is there and nothing doesn't matter anymore. Um, okay, maybe that connects right now. Um, uh, really, everything that's being said here, what Paul's doing is consistent. Yeah, you just don't want to laugh at it. Uh, everything that's being uh, that's said here is being consistent with all the rest of Scripture. Um, go back to uh, 1 Samuel 16, uh, 7, uh, when, when God is choosing David as his anointed. Um, it says, man looks on the outward appearance, but God sees uh, the heart. Uh, even, even about circumcision. Uh, Deuteronomy 30, also Jeremiah, but Deuteronomy 10, 16, I just talked talk about it, it says, circumcise your hearts. 
uh, cut away the the the. the um, uh, the, the wrong parts that need to be moved away of our, of our inward self. Um, even as it deals with the outward, the emphasis is always put on, on the inward. Um, it's, we're told, circumcise your heart. So here, it's not enough to just belong to God outwardly. Um, whether Jewish or Christian upbringing. Um, but religious people, we often emphasize the external forms, the things that you do, follow this set of standard, these practices, and we're looking for praise from other people that say, yeah, 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 this is right. This passage is saying that's not where praise from God uh, is. Biblical Christianity always emphasizes the heart. Our judgment tends to be uh, petty. Uh, we judge the externals, the first impression, the good looks, the style, the humor. Uh, and even though we kind of know that's ridiculous, we still do it anyway. It's hard to know much more than that. But the thing is, we kind of hope that God does the same thing. Like, I hope God thinks I did pretty well with this. And on the external things that I can put on for him... Um, I think it would be a lot easier if God just looked on the externals, went to church, good behavior. We can fake it with the best of them if that's what's needed. Um, but if your heart is polluted, uh, what can you do? Uh, what's, what's inside us is a deep need uh, for the cleansing blood of Jesus that cleans from the inside uh, out, that actually gives a new heart and makes us his. Uh, listen, it can, it can be really fun to think about unicorns between classes next time when you're walking. Just, just think about what it would be like to actually ride on a unicorn. It, it could be great, um, but you don't want to live your life that way. You don't want to live your life uh, delusionally. Um, it could be really fun to think about uh, um, God thinking that you were just one of his favorites. And it didn't really matter what, you're, what, you're, what was going on. Um, you, you've got an end just from outward things. Or to think that God doesn't really see the secrets of your heart. Or maybe it's even fun to think that uh, God just views on the external. Um, but God is, is calling us to something better, uh, something more in His Son, that we would look to Him. Uh, that instead of, this is the phrase back in chapter in verse 4, uh, instead of storing up for ourselves this treasure uh, by refusing God, instead of storing up this treasure that we like, this is what I value, but it's actually God's anger against us. Although we would be throwing it all away and saying, all I want is Jesus uh, and everything is found in him. I have no hope for myself. Um, it's a call away from delusional presumptiveness against Jesus, especially uh, for the person with much who would think of themselves as a moral good person. Uh, we would look to Jesus and him alone.